everyone, this is Agas Dahal and this is 80s Podcast. I've been wanting to do this podcast for quite some time now and I love podcast in general. I listen to it all the time um, and uh, it's a great medium to share ideas, communicate and I thought it'll be interesting to start my own podcast and take tips from others and not only share my ideas and experience but also to introduce other people in my world uh, and people that I know and talk about different aspects of life. So if you're familiar with Lex Friedman or Joe Rogan, you can see, you know, the kind of dynamic guests they have. And the only criteria for them is to find interesting people and have good conversation. So this podcast is going to be pretty similar to that. I'll be talking to individuals who I find interesting about topics and different subjects, which uh, are very intriguing to me and I like to t- talk about. So um, this is my first attempt and it is not going to be very polished. It will be quite rough. I will be doing this podcast organically. So um, as I proceed... I'll see what works and what doesn't work and take it from there. So um, if you've come across this podcast, it's probably because you've heard of me talk somewhere or you know me or uh, there's a very less chance that you've stumbled upon it. But just in case you did, my name is Akas Dahal. I'm from Nepal. I'm a beginner long distance runner. I also love trekking and uh my story is a typical 26 years old trying to make my life better through learning from people around me and experimenting with new things and ideas. I also write short stories and poetry and also some tips on productivity. You can find me on Medium. The link is on the description below. So in today's episode, uh, I'll be chatting with Garajan, who is one of the partners at Upeka. He's been working with startup ecosystem in India for over 10 years, and previously he worked with companies such as Intuit. In this episode, we talk about thinking, organizing ideas, luck, startup, and more. Rajan is also the host of ValueSaaS podcast. Uh, you can also listen to ValueSaaS podcast in the description below. And now, episode one. So Rajan, welcome to the first episode uh, of this podcast. <laughs> Yeah, great to be here, Akash. Cool. Um, so, uh, so you know, like, like we were chatting earlier that uh, you know there are a couple of things which uh, I wanted to ask you about. You've been doing this for quite some time now. Um, you know, we do this at work as well. You know, we uh, we put down our like OKRs and write our goals, and uh, you know, we focus on writing a lot, right? And uh, you've been doing this yourself for for quite some time, I believe. You know, like uh, so. I just wanted to your idea on like this this thing because it's been on my mind for quite some time. Like, um, how do you uh, like whenever you have an idea, right, or whenever you need to come up with, let's say, plan for this quarter, or let's say you need to come up with something, a goal that you want to accomplish yourself in your personal life. Um, how do you go about it, and how do you you know write it down for yourself, and of course you know for the team or for the org uh, or for any sort of event, right? So how do you come about that? Can you explain on that i think you've asked a multiple set of questions yeah one is how do you write how do you come up with ideas yes and uh, there was also an element of uh, 
how do you set up goals or how do you think you want to go somewhere and how do you come about that and how do you plan to accomplish that right so let's break it down a little bit and then talk through one after another i think yeah. the most important things about uh, like in all the topics that you covered is is having a set of goals or putting a target or drawing a line on the sand and saying that this is where i want to reach uh it's usually very a uh, tricky topic and especially in the world of startups uh, people say that we are navigating uncertainty uh we're going in places where nobody has gone before so it's very very hard um even in places like that it is useful for you to actually set up milestones um say that i know that you know this is where i want to go even though uh like once you reach there you may feel like you know that was not the right place to be there and that that kind of certainty is important because without that um like navigating such un- uncertain waters become very very difficult um there is this saying uh, i don't remember who said this he says uh, I, i actually think you know this comes out of the um, alice in wonderland book uh, there is this quote and saying which goes like this if you don't know where you are going then any road will take you there right so um if you are let's say doing a startup if you are like you know setting out in uh like you know charting a path for a career uh, based on any everything that you know you are not going to do everything that is there in the universe based on things that you know you have to set uh, i would say line marks saying that this is where i'd like to go to and for that you can speak to people that are out around you could look at people that you are inspired by you could look at people that are your peers and then say hey what does that line mark look like and we have an easy way to think about this is that you know in, in areas that you are interested in or areas that you are working on look at people who are two steps ahead of you and then say like what is it that they are at what like you know what how would you describe it like if if you are running a business you could say that they are at a certain revenue mark or certain employee count mark or things like that or if you are trying to be let's say a product manager or a marketer then you could say that these people are really good because they have like you know 10 people reporting to them or you could say that you know they have uh, accomplished writing these many articles or they won these awards and things like that. so when you look at people around you in areas of your interest and who are two steps ahead of you look at them you take inspiration and you can use that as a way for you to say that this is the goal i want to be in so that's that's important um finding out like you know what that goal is and then articulating it is very important now when you are going to take your own path you may reach there you may not reach there that's a different different conversation altogether but first having that view on that this is where i want to go to that gives you an anchor for you to start thinking about making progress now once you have um, had some thoughts like that then you start working backwards you say to reach there what are the steps that are needed uh, to get to that particular place now what happens is that if you are working in a very well laid out or well trodden path like for instance being a lawyer or being a doctor then that path is very very clear the path is like you know you need to do this degree you need to do this training you need to do this apprenticeship you need to do so on so you may you may need to spend this many number of hours years for you to get there but in this space of entrepreneurship that 
path is is not so well laid out from like you know step one to step ten, like you know ten being the last, right? So um, in that case, what happens is the better way to think about it is is to say, okay, let me work backwards from where I want to be, and what are the five steps that are needed for that? Try and ask that question, and use usually what happens is that you know when you go and talk to a person like that, they give you a very good inclination of. what were the steps that they traversed so when you set up goals and when you are trying to sort of setting a plan and uh, you are actually trying to uh, like you know figure out how you are going to navigate it talking to people who have traversed the path is a very very critical step but once you have done that what you would see is that in in extremely uncertain areas will not have all the steps figured so the next thing that you have to do is okay i know that there are four five steps from the goal that is there that needs to be done to reach that particular goal usually in chess people call this an end game akash and i have played chess so you, i know you, yeah. you are familiar with the idea of end game you know that you know a rook and a pawn if you get your chess board to a rook and a pawn yeah. you know how to win right and you really practice yourself to sort of play that game and many uh, like you know great chess masters you know learn how to play end games so you first find some end games and you write down the steps and then you also have to know what are the steps that you're going to take today this week this month you'll have to break it down into today this week and this month and when you're dealing with the world of startup you have to be absolutely comfortable not knowing the thing in between got it and be open to say okay you know what mm. this is something that is going to evolve and i am going to dance along with the uncertainty uncertainties as i make this one week one month progress go forward because once you do that then you chart out another one week one month and a little longer and then one week one month a little longer and then Like, you know hopefully you can reach a place where you hit the end game and many a times you end up hitting spots where it is not the end game that you had played and practiced mm-hmm. right and you may still have to improvise but then what this does is it gives you like a good road map coming back to your question about how do you think about these things one is is that you have to have a goal while fully knowing that you know you may not reach the goal because like you know it, it never happens you never hit a goal either you overshoot it you are undershoot it right that's a yeah. fact of life yeah that right? that say, definitely is right if you say that you're going to score 97 you're not going to score 97 you're going to score 94 or you're going to score 99 that's true yeah right but that sets the direction in some cases the path is very clear from 1 to 10 in many cases it is not just understand step 9 and 8 and then work on step 1 and 2 like in the world of startups and then be uncomfortable with the rest so this is the first part of the questions uh the set of questions that you had asked the other part was, was how do you write it yes yes so the second part is um in terms of writing now it's not related to just goal right mm-hmm. um writing i like to think of this as a thought crystallizer as you write your thinking evolves or like you understand your own thoughts better 
which is why internally we'd like to practice that right on how to write and put everything on a piece of notion share it with the folks before you end up having a debate first you know debate it out with a notion page and then like uh, take it to the rest of the team the way i do it is that any topic that i'm getting involved for the first time i first like to do a brain squeeze and mm-hmm. my usual go to tool for something like this is a mind map okay because i have all these ideas that are floating in my head and i don't know how to box it and how to, how to shape it so yeah. no matter what i'm doing am i writing an article planning an event thinking about a product design um like uh, coming up with something new i always think about first putting together a mind map and in that mind map i dump a lot of ideas first and then i keep on putting into the mind map till my brain stops working then i start trying to rearrange it so if you talk to any one of my colleagues like you know now or like you know a decade ago 15 years ago you yeah. have always received a mind map from me got it and that mind map first is saying okay here are all the places where i'm thinking about and then then i go to a place where i'm like okay let me remove this let me remove this or let me reorganize this let me see if a structure evolves right yeah and then then i do one more interesting thing and this is uh, one of my favorite quote by kurt von and gold is that you know you should write for only one person if you make love to the world you will catch pneumonia <laughs> that's a good quote yeah so i try to imagine that one person i'm trying to write for or design this experience for got it right and then i start thinking about um what is his level of understanding of the topic that we are currently thinking about mm. there is this book uh, called the art of explanation by okay. simon lee fever yeah um he says that you know one of the biggest issues in marketing or leadership is is uh, is the lack of communication yeah he's actually a video artist i think and uh, he's he's won a lot of awards on uh, creating these good videos explaining products and ideas and concepts yeah what he says is that you know a lot of people are caught by curse of knowledge yeah that's true i've always uh, you know like sensed this that uh, especially when you're building a brand or creating something right uh, there's nothing so- as such as uh, over communication or over creating because uh, you want people to know what you're doing right and uh, if you shy away from that then you know you're not going to be noticed so how do you filter you know like not only twitter but in general right because there's so much stuff out there and like you said you know there's i mean we have this curse of abundance i feel you know because we have too much information too much books too many podcasts to listen to so how do you stay focused and uh, how do you filter out the content that you need from what you don't need yeah the first part that you mentioned uh, it's a, i think about it quite differently okay which is uh, that you have to over communicate mhm 
Uh, I mean, I know, like you know, there is a slight difference in which, uh, in, which in the way you explained it. Yeah. The over communication that you know Simon Lee Lefevre talks about is yeah. that think of all the knowledge that exists in the world to stand on a stairs of steps, right? Okay. From A to Z. Yeah. Um, just um, like you know, complete novice is at A, and complete expert is at Z. Right. So when we are having conversations, we are having conversations in a way where, if we have reached, let's say, the level of W X and Y, yeah. then we are using terms like M C H and N B D and D R R. Yeah. Like you know, you and I may not even know what this <laughs> maybe a medical professional knows. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And then we expect people on the other side to understand what it is. Right? That's true. So one of the important thing to understand from a communication perspective, from a writing perspective, is just to bring your level to the level of your reader. Now, for many people, that sounds very insulting. I guess they, they think, oh, mm. you're thinking that your reader, reader is, is not really intelligent and mm. Right? Are you trying to dump it down? And then for people who are like, you know, overtly technical, come from engineering background, it's also blasphemous for them because they're not being accurate by bringing your levels down. Yeah. Right. And they, they, they don't, they, they have this tug of war between uh, being approximately correct versus being like, you know, precisely they want to be wrong. Right. So, um, so you have to understand that, you know, when you're trying to communicate, you don't over communicate by like, I, I guess you meant repetition, but many people over communicate by being very accurate about it. What yeah. is important is, is to sort of climb a few stairs down mm -hmm. to the level of understanding that your audience is at. Yeah. Right. And then communicate. That's absolutely true. Yes. Right. So, so that is very important in terms of when you're writing or when you're communicating, when mm. you're marketing, mm. right? Curse of knowledge is very, very critical reason due to which marketing doesn't work, due to which communication doesn't work, due to which like a lot of leadership challenges occur. Yeah. Right. So when I'm writing, I'm always very, 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 conscious about curse of knowledge okay like in the founder sessions that we do in the team meetings that we do mm. in conversations with friends in meeting with new people and especially when there is a shift in language mm. i am like oh shoot like you know there is going to be too much curse of knowledge here yeah and especially when i'm speaking to someone who's uh, who doesn't understand english mm. or uh, or any other language that i understand and i'm like man there is going to be like you know severe amount of curse of knowledge that is going to go on here. Yep. Right. The other part of over communication that you're talking about is, is that I would say that this has not been a new problem. That has been a problem that existed forever. Yeah. It just may be the, the quantum may be different, much higher given the amount of information that web throws out and things like that. Yes. But people all the time face the same issue and challenges mm. of having a lot of 
information out there, a lot of messages out there, a lot of mediums out there. Yeah. Right? Of, of course, you can argue that there were only two TV channels like 50 years ago and there are like 2,000 now. That's, there that's are like, true. you know, 2,000 TV channels now and then there are like 200,000 podcast mm. channels now and things like that, right? So, um, see, there is a simple rule of marketing. That is, if you don't stand out, then you don't exist. That's, I mean, yeah, that makes sense. Right. So yeah. uh, if you're uh, not remarkable, then you're invisible. Mm. I think that's a safe code in quote. Um, so no matter whether you are in a 20 channel world, a 200,000 channel world, right. Or a 2 million channel world, mm-hmm. you'll have to stand out. Right. But the interesting thing about the current information like highway type of world is, is that you don't have to be the number one popular channel in the world. Mm. You need to only matter to 10, 100,000, 10,000, maybe a few thousand people. Because you're not trying to do mega marketing, you're trying to do micro marketing. You're not mm. trying to use a megaphone, you're trying to use a microphone. Mm. That's true. Right. So as long as for the audience to who you care to go after. Yeah. And within that audience, if you are able to stand remarkably different, that is good enough. Right. You don't have to go ahead and uh, like Mm. be like, you know, a competitor to Britney Spears. Okay. Like we don't really have to focus on uh, being like a Mr. Beast kind of <laughs> influence, right? Like winning over the world. Absolutely. I mean, if you happen to Mr. Happen to be a Mr. Beast, that's well and good. But yeah. for you to sort of achieve any of the goals that you set out to, unless mm-hmm. you set out a goal of saying that I want to beat beat Mr. Beast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? But any other goal that you set out, you don't have to compete. Even for somebody like how a Mr. Beast would have come up, is not like, you know, okay, I need to be the number one YouTube channel. Yeah. Like I'm going to do something interesting and some interesting turn of events would have led him to wherever he is today. Yeah, I was reading about him uh, this morning and yesterday. I mean, I was watching his video this morning as well. And uh, there was this short clip where it said that Mr. Beast wanted to be a YouTuber since he was 11 years old. I think he's 23 now, 23 or 24. And, uh, you know, he's been doing YouTube for well over 10 years. And um, his entire life, he's just been consuming YouTube, right? Like from the morning to the time he sleeps. And uh, there was this another clip where he showed his room, right? And there was his bed uh, where he ate, right? Uh, where he worked. And then he went outside. So everything was squeezed in one room. So it's like he's living, breathing the YouTube all the time, right? And uh, I mean, that's that's definitely what it takes to kind of uh, like grow at that scale, which is quite amazing. But at the same time, I, I also feel that, uh, you know, there's also, um, I mean, there's definitely the hard work and, you know, being consistent and all of that. But uh, what, what do you think about, the factor of like luck, you know, because there are a lot of people who work hard, right? Uh, And, but, you know, they don't really get to that same level. Um, So what's your take on that, Rajan? Like uh, when, when it comes to success, what factor do you believe is the most, like if you have to, or like put it in order, like the top three factors that anyone needs to focus on in order to be successful, whether it's running a startup, 
run your own business uh what comes in your mind what's your take on that so i used to talk a lot about luck okay. then i came across this interesting tweet from paul graham and after that i thought i should talk less about luck Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Paul Graham uh, tweet uh, goes something like this. He says that those people who are winners, they um, underestimate luck, and those people who are losers, mm. they overestimate luck. Yeah. And he says that you know, uh, therefore, like, and this guy is a very good, uh, a logical thinking person, is right. Yeah. he says therefore like a red flag is that if you see people talking about luck mm-hmm. then you know that these are people who are overestimating it okay <laughs> uh, yeah so um so it struck me quite a lot because i think while it is true that luck plays a very important role mm-hmm. but i think you know those who want to win yeah they should actually not spend too much time thinking about luck they should be thinking about about like you know what is it that they should be doing and they should be just doing something i have yeah. a framework for luck not just like i came up with i've heard this from multiple people and um like i like this framework the most but since we talked about luck we will still uh, talk about that particular framework yeah i i heard this from michael mobison who wrote this book called the success equation okay one of the best um, author and one of the best investors mm. has written some great book he talks about the role of luck and skill in investing he thinks about investing as a game and he says like what role does luck play then i also read or heard about this from naval mm-hmm. but before this i heard it from mark anderson who wrote this in his very old pmarka blog post that are still only available as archives and his blog post is no more available and where he he had written about this by quoting a book about science and all of them refer to this four different stages of luck okay right so think about luck and skill as this one number line spectrum mm-hmm. right the left side is um complete luck okay and the right side is is complete skill mm. so think about this as 0% skill and 100% luck on the extreme left mm-hmm. and 100% skill and 0% like luck on the extreme right mm. right so as you move along this number line yeah the percentage of luck decreases and the percentage of skill increases okay right and what michael mobison tried to do is is to take a lot of the games in life soccer chess investing poker becoming a doctor mm. right or becoming an angel investor becoming a vc in this spectrum okay and he said like look which are the games like you know can you um can you um win at poker if you want to like is it completely luck or is it skill right can you win at roulette right is it completely luck or is it completely skill can you win at beating the stock market is it completely luck or completely skill 
can you become a founder who will build a billion dollar uh, market cap company revenue company completely luck or completely skill yeah can you do a, an angel investment and be the best all uh, best and all time highest angel investor ever completely mm-hmm. luck or skill so he laid it out and he he made few observation he said you know games like roulette are more luck than less skill mm-hmm. right and game like poker are more skill than luck mm-hmm. and what i found a little more interesting than in this number spectrum is is that there are four stages and these four stages are called like this dumb luck okay is the extreme left where mm-hmm. it is 100% luck 0% skill then you move a little further it is called as position luck position luck is a place where you are at the right place at the right time right okay. dumb luck is a place where like you won a lottery or you or even the ovarian lottery that you win right i mean like who mm-hmm. are you born to yeah. if you're born in the richest family in the world then like you know you just won the ovarian lottery <laughs> yeah right yeah so that is dumb luck right or you had this great inheritance from like a distant unknown relative mm. right that you never knew existed but then you inherited a billion dollars yeah and that is dumb luck mm. and when you move a little further then it becomes position luck okay position luck is this where if you're in the movie industry if you are in la in hollywood or if you are in bombay in bollywood mm-hmm. right where the virtue of you hanging out at these right parties and places and people and network you stumble upon opportunities okay right which can create insane amount of good fortune for you yeah right so that is position luck so if you are in the tech industry being in bangalore mm or in silicon valley is this position luck that makes sense right and many people would argue saying no no this is not true this is another new town that is emerging and that's the new next tech hub and things like that but then like you know you're not trying to argue whether like you know whether texas will become more lucky than california yeah. or when it happens course you know all the smart people should gravitate towards that you're not trying mm. to make texas a better place than california you're just mm. trying to recognize which is more luckier today right so that is position luck yeah the next step is called as judgment luck right so the judgment luck is something where it says that look you new dumb luck and then there is position luck but you having spent so much time that you have developed an intuition or some sort of judgment to say okay which things will become more lucky hmm. like if you are in you've met so many people you've engaged with so many different networks that you have a good sense of which movie director to work with which actor to cast which producer to not work with so that your next project is is very successful making that judgment okay makes you more lucky mm. right but the last place this is called as crazy luck or 100% skill mm-hmm. this is like you are so good at what you're doing mm-hmm. that dumb luck finds you 
This is where I love an example from Naval, where he says a crazy luck is something like where let's say you're a deep sea diver, mm-hmm. and then there are some places in ocean where only you and you alone can dive. Okay. It's so dangerous, but you have somehow developed that skill because you've been doing that for hobby or fun for so long, and everybody around you, uh, when people come to reference. questions for them they'll always point to you because they think that you are the best at this particular field yeah when you become so skillful mm-hmm. then if some guy strikes dumb luck like he finds a pirate ship somewhere in the ocean bed yeah he is going to come calling you yeah because you have that skill mhm you have that crazy luck now mm yeah that that makes a lot of sense yeah so yeah. i always tell folks that uh, look you know if you still want to think about luck think mm-hmm. about this way and then think about like which is the crazy skill that you want to develop to mm. what is that one thing that you would want to become yeah you're so good at mm-hmm. that the rest of the world will come to you and say okay please help me yeah that makes a lot of sense developing uh, i think the last luck right the crazy luck um i think that's very much possible in the world that we live in today with all the access to information and all kind of skills and technology right which we can learn so uh, i think and uh, i remember like a couple of months back i was listening to novel and he was saying something about like um how these creative people you know the creativity is going to be a the job you know like any sort of creative act um you know that kind of job is going to take over the world once everything is like automated so yeah i mean it's a interesting concept to think about um i have one more question for you rajan i w- i wanted to like ask this to you earlier so um so we talked about luck we talked about uh, we started off with writing then we talked about like a uh, bunch of different things and um so my question is like how do you overcome failures like you know like uh because you know like uh, i know that you know being in a startup ecosystem and uh you know there's a lot of startup which don't work out right and uh you know even in a day to day basis and you know there's like okrs and goals and quarterly goals and yearly goals which may or may not be matched right and um so in a in a you know in a situation where there's there's a lot of things going on and where you need to deal with failure a lot how do you overcome that and get past that and uh, move forward towards your goal so what's your take on that this is a very tricky question right people can draw all kinds of wrong conclusions with um a discussion around a question on this mm-hmm. um however like you know even with that kind of a issue with a question like this and uh, me putting some caveat around uh, like you know saying that you know take this take this question and this answer with a little bit of a pinch of salt okay. i'll say the following and uh, many founders when i say this to them they get horrified mm-hmm. um i think you know the question about failure if you think about it, if you don't attach too much ego to it mm-hmm. then there is no pain to it 
right? And you start thinking about it as more from a perspective of, oh yeah, there was a lesson. Let me move forward. Now, if the failure was catastrophous, yeah, then it is difficult to not put the ego aside, yeah. right? Which means that you know you should not be doing. Which is why we talk about it through effectuation in most of our sessions, right? That yeah, like you know, when you are experimenting, think about the downside, not think about the upside, mm-hmm. right? Think about like you know how can you cap the downside of the experiments that you're doing so that you know if even if it didn't work you'll think about it and say oh you know what i gained from the experience and i kind of moved on but what happens is now the reverse happens right you know people are deified to the level where some big success happens then like you know everybody celebrates the founders turns them into god mm. and uh, when that success doesn't happen then the god doesn't get his fans and then the god goes into depression yeah right so <laughs> and that happens quite a lot yeah <laughs> not right, only so, in startups but i think pretty much everything so <laughs> yeah so when i tell founders that look when you had a big success give yourself a pat on the shoulder mm. and then say oh yeah great things happened but maybe there were powers greater than myself they aligned and therefore these things happened yeah but most of the founders would want to sort of say no 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 i made it happen <laughs> it happened because of me yeah i mean why am i saying just founders right most of the people will be like most it people. happened because of me yeah right mm and it may not be true mhm and i use the same fact yeah and flip it around mm-hmm. and then say that if something failed that is also may not be because of you yeah because you were so hell bent on attributing success Mm-hmm. in so many other cases of or so many other spheres of life where mm. something good happened and you said you know it happened because of me mm. and something good did not happen then you know you, you get depressing that you know this did not happen because of me yeah and the root of both of them is is attaching ego mm. attachment brings a lot of pain I'm Something. not saying I mean I'm not trying to become philosophical about it I'm if of course that is true that you know a lot of attachment brings a lot of pain yeah I mean no one no one can deny that philosophy however what I'm saying is is that you know if you tend to attach yourself too much closely to the successes that you bring mm-hmm. then the failures that happen to you will hurt more mm-hmm. if you're modest about the success that comes to you yeah. you'll not feel very painful about the failures that you go through mm, that makes sense So it's like if you have a goal right you should not be attached to the goal but at the same time give your 100% to achieve that is that what you're saying yeah and funny that you know it all comes down to you know many things that our forefathers have said our scriptures have said right yeah. you only <laughs> have stake to the, the thing you have yeah. only stake to the work that you do you have no yeah. stake to the outcomes yeah right? exactly said in gita yeah exactly that's that's what i was thinking 
Um, I mean, uh, that that is absolutely true, though, but very difficult to do, right? Because uh, most of the time when you're uh, focusing on something and trying to achieve something, uh, you definitely start to get attached to that, you know, the outcome. And half of the time, you know, people don't even start something because uh, they are afraid that they might fail and it might really hurt them because if they put a lot of effort, uh, you know, they're going to be attached to that. So that's a very interesting way to look at it. So, so you know, like whenever you start something, Rajan, do you always, um, how do you like look at it, things? You know, you're like, even if things don't work out, I'm going to do my 100%. But even if it doesn't work out, it's okay. Like you go in things with that uh, mindset or how does that work for you? So from a very practical perspective, always asking the question of like, what's the worst can, that can happen? Mm-hmm. And then, um, if you have thought through that, like yeah. we teach this to other founders, but you know, I mean, we are having the internal discussion when I'm having discussions with Prasanna Shekhar, Tanuka, others in the team, we're constantly asking ourselves this question, like what can go wrong? Like for instance, right now, like what can go wrong? Like a lot of action that we are taking, you know, our reputation can go wrong, mm. right? If we did one thing or the other, so yeah. we are thoughtful about it. And then we we ensure that you are not taking like, you know, a huge reputational risks, right? Yeah. At, uh, when we started out, there were very few reputational risks also, but right now we have like reputational risk, but different people will have different risks. You know, they may lose a lot of money. They may lose a lot of like, you know, network or other things, right? So in decision-making, always think about downside risks. But the question about like, you know, when I get started and do, See, if I believe that I have to do something, then I'm fundamentally driven by, there is this book uh, by an author called uh, Daniel Pink. He says most of the folks are driven by one of the three things, purpose, autonomy, purpose, autonomy, and uh, mastery. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. So for me, I'm driven a lot by mastery. If I'm trying to do something, I want to do it as best as I could. I'm okay. not trying to like burn myself to say I'm the best in the world because that again is, is going to cre- create a lot of unnecessary boiling of myself. Mm. I'm saying that, look, I want to be the best version of myself doing that. Mm. Right? So I'm driven a lot lot by mastery. So I'm, if I'm trying to do something, I know that I'm oriented towards a certain goal or a direction, ask people around me and say, Hey, tell me which way I should be headed. Mm -hmm. Many a times I have, I've been very clear that this is where I want to go to. And then like midway I have changed paths Mm. or like once I have reached the destination, I'm like, okay, this is not where I wanted to be in the first (laughs) place. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, then I change uh, again. Mm-hmm. But then when I'm going there, I'm giving my 101% because I'm trying to sort of live by the mastery that I'm driven by. Yeah, I mean, that that does make a lot of sense. So how I look at it is, um, you know, uh, from what you're saying, you know, how I've understood it is, it's like uh, you got you have to be focused on, you know, what what you need to do. Uh, if you're trying to get something done, you know, uh, if there's a goal, if there's a target, if there's a thing that you're trying to accomplish, right, you have to focus on that. But at the same time, not lose yourself in the process, but enjoy it as, at the same time. And 
have this understanding in the mind before you start that you can fail at it right and uh, but at the same time you have to give your best so because that way you know you're not too hard on yourself and there's no point being too hard on yourself right so absolutely yeah got it thank you everyone for tuning in we will be uploading more podcast few times a week probably or at least few times a month you can write to me at my instagram at ard.09 or email me at akashthahal00 at the rate gmail.com let us know what you would like to hear keep in touch and we will definitely respond to you feel free to drop a comment if you find this on youtube and take care